Welcome to another episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, the Boots on the Ground podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart. Here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. Here we are back at it again, back for the next episode. I hope you're ready, Bob, for the next episode as we are entering the week of snowpocalypse all across the U.S. as temperatures drop and snow flurries fall. And I know there in Nashville, you're you're dealing with a lot of snow. When this episode comes out, I am hopefully not spun out on the side of the road somewhere in <laughs> central Arkansas. <laughs> I hope not either, Jimbo. I, I've been excited. I, I live for a couple times a year that I can put my four-wheel drive car into four-wheel drive. And yep. so I think we've got about six to 10 inches here in Nashville, depending on where you're at. So Nashvillians do not drive in the snow. They're not used to it. As a Midwesterner, Jimbo, I am familiar with the snow. And as an owner of a four-wheel drive truck, I had great joy in driving in different locations around this morning to check on things and just to be out and about. And it was a lot of fun. So it's beautiful. I love the snow. Don't like it all the time, but I like it a couple times a year and especially like it at night when you're walking uh, out in the snow and the snow just has a way of like making everything quiet and still mm, and, and yeah. it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It's the single digit temperatures for me that are are, are a no go. <laughs> I'm headed to Arkansas, yes. central Arkansas to be with our buddy Greg Varndell at North Pulaski Baptist yeah. Association and meet with Tim Wicker and Sin Network Arkansas and their evangelism conference and meeting El Jefe Clifton up there and going to run into my family a little bit while I'm there as well because they live in that area. And I'm just I'm just hoping that when I land at the Little Rock Airport and I get to the Hertz, that Hertz has something for me that can drive in the snow and they don't hand me the keys to like a Prius and, and leave me <laughs> stranded and spinning. I have some experience driving in snow and ice because I not that I've lived in areas that have done that, but I've always had family in Arkansas, and so I have had some experience driving through ice storms and snow and those things. I have a pretty decent amount of experience driving four-wheel drives, but down here, typically that's in mud, swampy, boggy areas, which is a little different, but some of the principles mm -hmm. are, are the same. So here's hoping I end up in something all-wheel drive at least and can make it to my destinations with no travail. Well, I hope so too, if you, and at least this – if you don't get an all-wheel drive, choose a front-wheel drive, right? Yeah. Because those are a little better. But I would steer you clear from the muscle cars. So let's let's steer away from the Chargers and the, you know, the Hellcat and uh, all yeah. and the Camaros and all that stuff, Mustangs. Let's just go. If you don't get the the all-wheel drive or the four-wheel drive, Jimbo, the Prius might not be a bad vehicle for you because it's at least front-wheel drive. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So yeah, I guess the Hellcat's not the right car for this. So, <laughs> not in the snow. No. <laughs> It'd be fun to spend some circles in. But. Man, I tell you what, this reminds me of when our, our church at our re renewal, we had s several inches of snow. I want to say six to 12 inches of snow one, one season. And as you know, Jimbo, well, you don't know. So it is very expensive to have your parking lot plowed mm. and to get it free of snow. Like it's it's a lot of money, right? So Sure. We would not do it except for Saturday right before the service because we didn't, you know. So our our church parking lot became the donut practice parking lot for all the kids in the 
in the city or if dads needed to go blow off some steam. So it was it was amazing to see all of the car tracks back there that people had done donuts. It's pretty sweet. Well, no donuts, no burnouts. Burnout is not an option. Nope. Segue perfectly into our topic for the day. Burnout is not an option. Yeah. Bob, in our replant, I've referenced before, there was a moment of mass exodus where uh, we went from an average attendance of a little over 200 to like uh, 60 in a few months. And it was, I mean, it was a big deal. And we lost probably 80 to 90% of our children's ministry volunteers. And strangely, not a lot of our children. So we lost a lot of our volunteers, but not all the children, some of them. And so we found ourselves in this precarious spot where we were already kind of burning out some of our children's ministry leaders. And, you know, maybe in a future episode, we'll dive deeper into children's ministry and how to think through that. But because I have a lot of thoughts on that, and I know Clifton has a new book out on that that we could explore, but I, I just saw this pattern of some leaders burning out. And when I say burning out, here's what I mean. Not just that they were like, hey, I can't lead in children's ministry anymore, although they did say that. Oftentimes it meant that they also left our church and maybe didn't really plant themselves back at another church. Mm. Like they would just kind of, if they did, it was just as a casual observer. And that just broke my heart. And I just decided that's not an option. It's just not an option. And so I met with our remaining children's ministry volunteers and leaders, and I just told them, hey, here's our new motto. Burnout's not an option. I mean, just if any strategy we have, any program we're trying to run that's leading to this fruit, is it's bad fruit. And so it's a bad route. We're not doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I asked him, I said, hey, how many Sundays a month do you think we can actually pull off doing children's ministry without people burning out? And they said, one, just one a month. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, then we just do one a month. And I said, I mean, can we just do one a month? And I was like, well, yeah, I mean, we could, we could do zero a month if that's the answer, because burnout is is not an option. And it really started to shift the way we define success, design strategy, thought through our programs and everything that we did at our church. And it meant, Bob, that we we moved at a little bit slower pace moving forward because we needed to make sure that we had structures and teams in place so that no one person was bearing all the weight of something so that they weren't doing it on their own. And one of the things I started to think through was for my own self, just kind of in my own reflection and evaluation in my life, making sure I didn't burn out, I came up with this personal thing of like, hey, I will only burn out and run out of fuel if I'm using my own fuel. Mm-hmm. But if I'm if I'm running God's plan and his path for this ministry, then I don't think I will burn out. That doesn't mean it won't be really, really difficult and there won't be a lot of bumps in the road and it might not be discouraging at times, but that he, I'm going to run his plan and make sure I'm following what he has for this ministry. Man, I think you made a, a really important distinction between burnout and difficulty and discouragement, right? And so I think there's there's a key there. So I, I think you can feel discouraged and you can experience difficulty Absolutely. in serving and not be burned out. Burned out is kind of just where you walk into a situation and regardless of what it is and what's happening, you just say, I cannot do this anymore. Yeah. Right. And so there's part of it, Jimbo, that I think what you've addressed with your children's workers, there's part of it that's a structural component for us, Mm -hmm. right? Where a singular person or some persons are bearing all of the weight all of the time without any assistance. That's, That's obviously 
there's a there's a part where you just can't physically, emotionally, spiritually, you just can't, you can't live at live at that high of a pace. Yeah. But what I would want to say too is, as I just get the sense of of some of our pastors maybe going through some difficult times. So you know the renewals work hard. The renewal work has been hard, and so they're difficult. It's been difficult, and they're discouraged. What I would say is, if you're listening to this, don't necessarily think that you're burned out because it's difficult and you're discouraged. Right. Right. That there's not a finality that is true there. Right. So for you, perhaps. So I, I think just note those differences, and then also I think in terms of structure for, for those who you lead or in one of the most important persons that you lead is yourself. Mm. You've got to, you've got to have some perspective just to, to, to think through, am I leading myself in such a way that I am headed towards a place of burnout where I say I can no longer do this anymore? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, and that distinction is so important. This recently when the replant team was meeting in Alpharetta, which it just was not the same without you there, Bob. <laughs> I still grieve that every time we meet as a team. Well, you're kind, Jimbo, and I do miss you guys. Well, I mean, even like as I'm planning things, I'm like, I mean, I, I need to do this with Bob. That's all, that's yeah. all I know. So yeah. we had Richard Blackaby as a guest with us. He's no Bob Bickford, but you may have heard of him. And, uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so Richard <laughs> – Richard came and he spoke to our team a word of encouragement and challenge. And he was there for a little over an hour with us. And there was, you know, in the context of this discussion out of John 15 and the importance of deeply abiding in Christ and bearing fruit in our ministry and finding joy in the Lord, he said something along the lines of, I have never met a burned out pastor ready to quit that was deeply abiding in Christ. And it was one of those moments when he said it, you know, like you heard the, yeah, like, you know, it, it resonated with the room well. And because it resonated with the room well, Mark Clifton types it up, puts it on social media, and uh, and uh, out of context, it got blasted, Bob. It was not good. It was, uh, the post has, yeah, been taken, it's post has been taken down, but there were a lot of very negative reactions to that statement. And taken out of context, I can understand why there was a reaction. And so one, I wanted to clarify the way I believe Richard intended that statement in the context of over an hour discussion with our team. And then what I think we ought to take away from that discussion, right? And and so I think one is people weren't appreciative of it because it felt to them like a, hey, just have more faith and it won't be so hard or Mm-hmm. Or you're you're not allowed to be discouraged or depressed, and based off the comments, that seemed to be kind of the the sentiment people were taking it as. Because you know, people would say, "Well, didn't Charles Spurgeon deal with depression? You know, didn't the Old Testament deal with discouraged Old Testament prophets deal with discouragement? And wouldn't they want to have a word with Richard about this?" And what I would mm-hmm. say is, yeah, I mean, Spurgeon definitely dealt with depression. He wrote about it. The Old Testament prophets obviously were very discouraged at times. I mean, to the point of wanting to quit. And I think. What Richard was saying to our team was not saying if you're discouraged or depressed or having a hard time and considering quitting, that you're not abiding in Christ. I think what he's saying is when you've just from being in the room in the context of what he said, it was if you've given up hope, like if you if you have no hope and you, you're hopeless, you've given up hope in this and you have no peace and you have no joy. And then you're not, you're probably not abiding in Christ. 
Because here what I, what I tell you is the reason that the Old Testament prophets struggled and Spurgeon struggled but didn't quit and kept going is because they were uh, abiding. Now, Old Testament prophets were were resting in their hope of Yahweh, of Jehovah Jireh, and and Spurgeon was putting his hope in Christ. And so one, I just wanted to clarify that for any of our listeners that saw that of what I think Richard was saying. And I think it's an important thing for us to consider. Yeah, I it is. I I get the sense of you know, this time of year for pastors, they come off of the holiday season and, you know, everything's, you know, the Super Bowls of Christianity and churchdom are Easter and Christmas, right? And so they've just been through the whole Christmas thing and, you know, then they go see family and then it's stressful and then financial stress and, you know, all these things. And so some of our guys just maybe have, or some people who saw that post may have just really been in a, a very sensitive spot, right? A tender spot. And and one of the last things you want to do is load up a heavy weight on somebody who feels exhausted or in a tender spot. Or Jimbo, you you might not even <laughs> you might not even be loading up a heavy weight. You might just say hello in the wrong way and then they freak out and just, you know, lose it, right? Because I mean there's there's exhausted, right? And so I think that there's this there's this reality of of renewal work that we and pastoral work that we probably should say, hey, in January, I might just need to, to to step back before I get emotional about something, or as I'm getting emotional about something, mm-hmm. I might need to step back and take a couple of deep breaths. Maybe I need to take a, a an extra half a day off. Those sorts of things. But I I, I think you're you're right. Probably what happens is we come to our time with the Lord and we're already tired and we're already exhausted and we're already irritated. And maybe we've, you know, we've eaten all the, the candy that, you know, our, that we got over Christmas or, you know, we just, so physically we're full of sugar or maybe just, you know, our, our traveling schedule has been nuts and all this kind of stuff. So physically we're bringing something to the party that already puts us at a deficit and then something that happens maybe circumstantially and, all of those sorts of things. And we're just in a, in a tough position. You know, I think if we think about our children and we've talked about this before, you know, when, when you mentioned that um, trip was a sweet kid, but one time you guys took him out to eat and, and he just wasn't having it and he lost it. Yeah. Well, why did he lose it? Right. It's not because that was part of his character, but that was part of his, his just where he was physically. Right. And emotionally yeah. and, yeah. and maturity. Right. And so he just was in a position where he, he just kind of lost it. So, so sometimes we can be there, and even if we're in, engaged in our devotions, we can hear and, and sense things maybe that aren't quite there, right? Or we, we perceive things that, you know, maybe about the Lord that or the gospel, it feels like a heavy weight or, or I'm just not good enough or, you know, uh, why, do, why do my prayers, these ones that I've been praying forever, go unanswered? Or, you know, you can fill up the whiteboard with all of your, you know, why not me and what ifs and all those sorts of things. And so I think part of what we need to ask ourselves, even when we're executing the discipline of spending time with the Lord, what is my mental, physical, and emotional state when I'm with the Lord, right? And if we think about this, Jesus even would would tell his disciples in the gate who are engaged in a heavy ministry season, he would say, come away with me and get some rest, right? And why did he do that? Well, there's physical limits to what we can do. And our physical limits impact our emotional, spiritual limits or, or, or realities. And and so I think I hear what Richard is saying is is what he's saying is, is abiding in Jesus is not just a practice. It's, a, it's an actual state of mind and a state yeah. of heart. 
Yeah, you know, so let's look a little bit, you know, if you just look at uh, part of John 15, starting in verse 8, by this my Father is glorified. So how do we glorify God? We know that that's the goal, right? How do we glorify God? Starting in verse 8, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things, I love this part of it, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Or in some translations it says your joy may be complete. As Richard was guiding us through this, he, you know, he, he, led, he led us to the, like, what's the goal? What's the success here? It's bringing glory to God, right? And so how do we glorify God? By bearing much fruit. What is, what is bearing much fruit? What does that look like? And Richard said, fruit is anything that puts a smile on God's face. And I was thinking about that. We, we've talked before about the book, The Other Half of Church, and how it talks about joy is God's face lighting up when he sees you because you are his redeemed, adopted child. And I also think about bearing fruit, as we've talked about on here before, the fruit of the Spirit. And as we walk in the Spirit, we grow in the Spirit. And one of the, he said, Richard says one of the early signs that we are not abiding in Christ is we just start to rehash stuff that we learned years ago. And we're no longer just, we're no longer continuing to learn and grow and work out of an overflow of what's going on in in our heart and our time with the Lord. And I'll tell you, and I, I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before, Bob, there have been multiple times in ministry where I have known someone fairly well that has left the ministry because of what we would call, you know, moral failure or disqualification. And mm-hmm. I often ask them, hey, I'm not interested in like the incident that got you busted, right? I don't really care to discuss that in detail. Uh, what I do want to know is like what happened in your life, in your walk that led to that type of decision being made. And every single time, this was one of the things they talked about was that they were not operating out of an overflow, but out of their own strength in that the only time they were reading the Bible was to prepare for a sermon or a lesson. And there, there was no there was no deep abiding in Christ that led to uh, a fruitful overflow of ministry. And by fruitful, again, I'm not saying fruitful in the sense of like, you know, 20 people get saved every time you preach. Fruitful in that you're growing in the fruit of the Spirit and that you're growing in the depth of your relationship with God and your a place in that relationship. And that, that word abide in the Greek in John 15 is meno, which which means to be at home in, to be at rest in Christ. And so as we think about what does it mean to glorify God, it means to abide in him, to rest in him, and to bear much fruit. Or another way to say that is, is so that your joy would be full. So there's a depth, there's a fruitfulness, and a joy to abiding in Christ and operating out of the overflow. Yeah, so good. I, I loved how you unpack fruitfulness, and particularly Richard's definition is that which brings a a, a smile or you know to God's uh, face to you know just the, the happiness and the and the joy. I think so much of the time when we hear that word fruitfulness, Jimbo, I think we assign a numeric value to it, right? Yeah, and I think there is something to say there. There is not saying that there's not some sort of growing evidence of, of an increase, right, in, in some form or fashion. But the fruit of the Spirit, if we think about that, that's fruitfulness, that's character, that's, there's, there's depth there, there's a, there's a outpouring 
of you know the work of God in your life that that's not just numeric people in the church. So um, thank you for 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 breaking that down. I, I think that the key here, as we think about the bigger context of burnout and frustration and all of those sorts of things, those who are abiding in Christ, who have the fruit of the Spirit, demonstrate, and this is what you're saying, they demonstrate a a righteous, holy, godly character that is sustaining to them whatever situation they find themselves in. Mm-hmm. And and so I think that for for the pastor who is feeling discouraged or depressed or just has a lot of questions and wondering, what I would say is understand what fruitfulness is, understand the fruit of the Spirit, and then press in to your relationship with the Lord, not out of duty, as if you do it in the right way or often enough, you will get something from God, but do it in the sense of knowing that God is your source of joy and source of life and source of fruit, and that that disconnected from Him, you can guarantee you will not be able to to withstand and, and endure and persevere and triumph and live a victorious life, all those sorts of things. But I think one of the, one of the things that happens is when we hear abiding in Christ as another to do, when we're already to done, it's mm. it's going to be hard for us to yeah to receive that word. Well, that's where uh, to further clarify, Richard also said busyness is not the same thing as fruitfulness. Mm-hmm. Uh, he encouraged us to to prune away any activities in our life that are unfruitful, that are not bearing fruit. And so he says, don't say that you want more fruit in your life if you can't point to anywhere that God is pruning your ministry. Pruning is anytime God removes anything in your life that is encumbering your fruitfulness. And so part of that is you cannot continue to grow in your depth and your fruitfulness and stay the same. Status quo is is not, you know, and so we're not, again, we're not talking numbers. We're talking this co- continual growing in the Lord and you're abiding your dependence on him and not doing things in your own strength. And, and so it, fruitfulness is not just how busy are you? How many things are you doing? Or even how much numeric success are you producing? Fruitfulness is, are you growing in your affection for the Lord? Are you growing in the fruit of the spirit. And yeah, you're going to have seasons where that's really hard, but almost in a way, and I don't know about you, we've talked about this a lot on here, Bob, in the darkest, hardest seasons of ministry have kind of in some ways been my deepest, most real moments with Jesus. Like where I would say I was bearing more fruit of that depth, even though I was not in a happy place, I grew in my spiritual contentment. And I sometimes when things looked great numerically, I was the most spiritually discontent because there was a part of you that feels pressure to kind of hold on to that numeric success. And how do you, how do you keep that up? How do you keep that going? And so whether you agree or disagree, how do you feel about Richard's statement in context or out of context? You know, Paul tells us in Philippians chapter four, right before the famous, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He says he has found the secret to being content in all circumstances. And that is the the depth and the fruitful. There, there's a depth, a fruitfulness, a peace, and a joy that comes with abiding in Christ. And so, man, that's going to be hard. And listen, sometimes it's going to be really, really, really hard. And one of the comments was something along the lines of, man, 
uh, Old Testament prophets may want to have a word with Richard about this. And honestly, understood in the context, I think the word would be amen. You know, and I think Spurgeon, you know, somebody challenged Spurgeon may disagree. I think Spurgeon would deeply agree with this concept. Yeah, it's going to be super hard. This is not saying it's not going to be discouraging or not going to be hard, but let your mind and your heart be shepherded by the good shepherd to the still waters of Christ and sit and abide in Christ, regardless of what the numbers look like, regardless of what everything else looks like. You know that there's hope because you are serving the King of Kings who holds the universe in his hands. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, a resource for replanters by replanters. If you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing, and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches, big and small. Check out 180.church, O-N-E-E-I-G-H-T-Y.church to learn more about how 180 can help your church move forward.